I'm Brooke Lamb. And I'm Lindsay Sampson. And this is Kismet. to Kismet. Um, today we have with us Tylena Jeans. We're so excited hello. to have. Say hello. This, <laughs> we're excited to have you. I'm um, excited to be here. If you want to introduce yourself a little bit and just kind of tell our listeners who you are, where you are in the world, where they can find you. Yeah, my name is Tylena Jeans. I am a stay-at-home mom part-time. I mean full-time, but am also working, but I stay at home with my baby, and I own a nanny agency, so that takes up most of my mental space. I've been transplanted here from the Midwest, so I'm still learning about the South and Southern culture. Um, I'm married a Southerner, and it's fascinating to be here. (laughs) I've lived in Nashville here for about three years now. I'm curious about what your sort of spiritual life looks like right now is there one are there practices is there a community can you talk a little (laughs) bit about what feels sacred to you right now I was deeply entrenched in a spiritual community doing ministry full-time vocationally for four years and was just very embedded into church culture was a part of a church and anywhere that I moved and my life was ministry. And then in things had been progressively moving towards deconstruction little by little, but then 2020 George Floyd happened and my spiritual life kind of got turned upside down. Thankfully for me at the same time, my, my partner also was going through a similar experience. So we had each other to kind of talk through the disillusionness, especially during the pandemic where we weren't meeting a lot of people. So I'm really grateful for that because that was a very, it felt really lonely to be in that space. And we have taken a step back from any sort of Christian thing. We haven't been to church in over a year and a half and then before then we were going very sparingly and have just decided to take a break and we went through a huge deconstruction decolonization of our faith individually and together and we are just in a place where we feel that we are trying to find community and sense of place outside of what was embedded in us just in a posture of learning, I wasn't part of a group in 2021, almost two years from now. It was a group of indigenous grandmas who shared about their spirituality, and it was for indigenous and people of color, uh, women. And it really helped me just become familiar about indigenous culture and traditions and how just far removed our culture is from how indigenous cultures have lived and 
that was a really, really sacred time for me to be getting input that was so drastically different from the way that I was getting input before, which was from a lot of white men, a lot of systematic theology, a lot of books. And I think really right now what feels sacred is just meeting people with no agenda. And I always felt like, because I was trained, literally trained, there always had to be an agenda to meet people um, in some way. If I believe that people are sacred, everyone is, then just being with people, meeting people can be sacred. Coming from a place where there's a lot of systematic theology, Mm -hmm. there's apologetics, there's Mm -hmm. like this is how I explain every single thing, this is how I answer every question, this is Mm -hmm. how I fill every hole in the boat, Mm -hmm. it can feel a little bit like disorienting to Mm -hmm. be in a place where you're like, I don't have a framework, Mm -hmm. I'm just here and I'm experiencing sacredness Mm -hmm. and the sacredness that I'm experiencing is equally as legitimate as Mm -hmm. the sacredness I was experiencing before. There's definitely a feeling of like abandoning the need to have words for all the things. Yeah. I think just working towards like the good of others and like tangibly doing that has really felt sacred to me in some ways, like a church of just trying to serve people in a lot of different ways than how I was taught how to serve people. It's been hard to not have a framework. That's still in me to be like, am I doing this right? Or like, what am I doing? Or it's also liberating too. Yeah, for like, I don't know to be an okay thing mm-hmm. to say. I know for for me, like, that's always been something that doesn't feel like that's acceptable mm-hmm. to say I don't know. Like, you have to be like, well, I don't know this, but I'm working on this. Like, let me, like, let me show you what I am doing so that mm-hmm. you know that I'm still, like, I'm still in the, in the camp, right? I'm pursuing these things I'm supposed to be pursuing. Mm-hmm. All the unlearning. Mm -hmm. There's just very subtle things within us Mm -hmm. that are saying, like, well, you got to have something that you're, you know, Mm -hmm. what is it? You know, Mm -hmm. there's to be something that you're doing in order for it to be legitimate and for you to be, like, good enough, Mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. The Kismet Podcast is sponsored by Abide Counseling. Abide Counseling is um, actually my therapy practice in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, and now opening a location beginning June 1st in the Berry Hill neighborhood of Nashville, Tennessee. We're a small group practice of like-minded clinicians, therapists who desire to do deep, transformative work with clients who are hoping to really invest in their therapy and are ready to do the deep work, facing their trauma, clearing out their inner experience so that they can really fully receive love and offer love, um, living in harmonious relationship with self and others. So abidecounselors.com is the website. If you want to check us out, we appreciate the support of Abide Counseling as the sponsor for this first season of Kismet. Thank you so much for listening. You want to give us your story? Yeah, I would love to. I grew up in Kansas. I was adopted at birth. My adopted parents split when I was young, and I grew up really with my mom. Um, My mom was a single mom. It was just me and her. My childhood was complex 
traumatic, sad, but then also sometimes normal. I was diagnosed with complex PTSD about three years ago, and that was really helpful for me because there isn't like just one event that was traumatizing. It was just constant. But then also I had a lot of normal times with my mom, which makes it very confusing as a child and also as an adult to kind of untangle. I didn't really know that I had a like complex, traumatic childhood until I went to college and I met people <laughs> that didn't. Just because the people that I grew up around were just in similar spots. Like, yeah, we grew up really poor, always on food stamps. And that's, you know, a trauma. Like, just poverty is really hard itself. And it wasn't, yeah, until I went to college that I was like, oh, you, you and your mom relate like this? Like, just so many of, like, learning about how parents relate and what parents should do and a lot of that. I was, like, you know, putting together, like, oh, I had an experience that was not just, like, different, but, like, really wrong. You know, I went to a school that was, had a lot of people from a different tax bracket than me. So I got to learn about a lot of things that I felt like I missed out on just because of my relationship with my parents or just because I grew up really poor and... I also was just really neglected as a kid. So like 18 to 25 was really rough for me. I spent a lot of those years on the like precipice of homelessness, of not really sure of where I was going to go next. College is really hard to come out of an environment like that and then just go straight into college. It was really, really tough for me. I got introduced to evangelicalism when I was in college and I got a a part of a campus ministry and it, it really gave me a framework of that. I didn't really have it. It like was answering and filling holes and questions from my childhood that I was like desperately wanting. I was wanting to know why things happened. I was wanting to know, I was wanting to have a family that cared about me. And I got that in a lot of ways, I got to meet really kind people who would just were very generous and I wouldn't have been able to survive without them. I was really taught about a God who sees suffering, transforms suffering, had a plan for suffering, even if I didn't learn about that on this side of earth. But the mommy wound <laughs> and the parent wound, it was, I mean, so big. And I think, you know, I was thinking about this last night too, like as you're like growing up, that that wound is constantly being rubbed against because that was like the time where I was needing my parents, like in, in every single instance, like with my my friends and what was happening, it was just constantly being rubbed. And I was constantly trying to have to like have coping mechanisms and explain to people of like why I don't have parents and after I turned 18 I my relationship with my mom was really distant and then eventually just we only communicated via email and then eventually it was no no contact and so it was really hard to not have parents in that stage of life and having close friends who you know have adore their parents and need their parents and 
as I got older, though, I didn't need a mom as much as, you know, I was adult. I was 25, 26, 27, living in a city and was self-sufficient and was earning money and had coping mechanisms that made it so that I don't spiral. So I wasn't feeling that as present as I was when I was in college. The pain of just my childhood and needing to have answers or just wanting to be desperately loved and cared for. So I kind of could just tuck it away and really live carefree. And I met my husband, 25, and we dated. We were getting married. That was just, you know, another time of needing parents but didn't have them and but I had you know I had a second family and people stepped in and but the parent wound was just really massive in my life fast forward to 2020 and the pandemic was happening my life was probably yeah just imploding again I I had coping mechanisms but that they kind of like ran their course in 2020 I was newly married my husband lost his job in 2020 during the pandemic. I was suffering with clinical anxiety so bad that I couldn't really leave my house. And at the same time, we were trying to get pregnant. We were trying to get pregnant for almost a year and just had infertility unexplained. And really, you can't really go to a doctor and start that process until it's been a year. And so my marriage was really strained during that time, but I was in the depths of infertility trying to get pregnant, and I didn't have anyone to talk to. And I remember just feeling this like tangible need of needing a mom to process this with and just lamenting about how I didn't have a mom of my own that I can call and just say like, complain about I just I wanted that relationship so bad I had a great partner I had I have friends who are like would die for me and vice versa who are like sisters to me I had extended family but I just never had had that relationship and I remember specifically me and my husband went to his parents condo during Mother's Day weekend weekend it was just serendipity like that time that we could go and it was over that weekend and Mother's Day is always weird for me has has been historically of you know how do I get through that day sometimes I would ignore it sometimes I would celebrate the wonderful women in my life who were like mother figures some days I would cry all day and I remember specifically I got my period that day on Mother's Day and just weeping weeping so loud that my husband had to come in and like check on me because <laughs> I just couldn't hold it in of how sad I was because I wanted to be a mom and I wanted to have a mom and I didn't have either just so much of my life just summed up in that minute of just wanting to be taken care of and feeling like I can't I have to take care of myself I came home and I had a package waiting, and my friend, she had just sent me a package that had some earrings, a book, and a tea towel in it, and was like, I know this Mother's Day is going to be hard, 
here's some things. And it sounds, <laughs> it was so profound to me. It like, I remember just bawling when I got it and something in her just sent, told her to send, send it to me. And it felt like a profound moment in my life to just feel seen. And I really wasn't sharing a lot with friends then. I was sharing how hard infertility was and sharing with some of my struggles with my mental health, but just the depth of the pain, I couldn't really get out. And this friend just had sent me something that was just so so small but so kind that just met me where I was and felt like it wasn't just a coincidence that that had happened and had sent that to me before I was going to leave and I had something to come home to and and then the, the next month we got pregnant but I will always remember that package and my friend for the rest of my life I was just in so much pain that day and someone just came by me to not alleviate it but just stand with me in it this idea of like the pain didn't go away Mm -hmm. but there was just company Mm -hmm. in it is so good yeah I was really taught you know in with my spirituality and evangelicalism like the urge to have an answer for something the urge to tie a bow or to even like claim a promise and I don't know if life is always like that (laughs) you sometimes you just don't have the words to say to people when pain is just that deep but just showing up in some form can just be so profound to people. I like the language of like witnessing. Mm -hmm. So many of us have not had the experiences of learning how to witness our own pain. Mm -hmm. So it's very uncomfortable to witness the pain of someone else Mm -hmm. when that that's really what in so many circumstances, like that's really what's needed Mm -hmm. is you to be fully feeling your pain Mm -hmm. and me to be able to tolerate sitting with you in that Mm -hmm. and seeing it and holding space for it with love. Mm -hmm. And that's what love is. And Mm -hmm. like, that's like shifted for me so many things about the way that I experience God. Mm -hmm. And here's James Finley. (laughs) Here he is. (laughs) Um, We were joking that I'm going to quote him in every single episode and I will. He says, um, a God is a God who protects us from nothing mm-hmm. while inexplicably sustaining us in all things. Mm-hmm. And so this little thing that your friend mm-hmm. did, it just sh- like showed you, it showed that part of you mm-hmm. who has all that pain and is feeling so alone. Mm-hmm. It helped that part of you know, like somebody sees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I... Uh... Uh, do parts work with my therapist and I'm I'm an Enneagram 7 so I will do anything uh, to uh, not uh, avoid uh, go that there. pain baby uh-huh. <laughs> avoid that um, pain like shut down all of my parts or even like use logic to um, feel it's really easy for me to see like oh I do this because of this but I will skirt around the pain 
that was one of my coping mechanisms growing up was I didn't have time. Like I didn't have time to unravel. I had to survive like in my house I was growing up when I got out of school or when I was, I left, I, I mean, survival was just like my, my thing. And then, you know, I was part of, I was in this evangelical, very white environment that I was like, nobody else was, you know, their parents were beating the crap out of, I don't know. I mean, I, I would be trying to relate to people and I'm like, here's what I have. And people are like, I don't know what to do with that. Or like the pity people would say, or just like, or sometimes I would get pimped out to share my testimony a lot, you know, of, cause I had a, just a very dramatic versus a lot of people grew up in the church and they, you know, like I, I don't, I just was so different that I was like, I don't want to share this. Um, I don't really want to go there. And I use, I try to use everything, you know, like, religion to kind of skirt past that pain but then you know the catalyst for dealing with it was marriage because it was coming out sideways or not even sideways full force Mm -hmm. because in some ways my system was like we can't do this anymore um and I just kind of had a my body started to shut down and just had a, a ton of anxiety and was really needing to address some parts that were just being neglected but witnessing my own pain meant for me showing up and not having anything to explain it. Just witnessing, like what you said, your own pain with no judgment or agenda. Mm-hmm. Like the way you can do that with other people is what a lot of people need because a lot of pain, you personally can't do anything. And I was scared to do that for a long time because I thought I would just get lost in that pain. And if you know, this whole time I've been like walking away from it and putting some stuff under there that mm-hmm. I've forgotten how much is in there and I don't know. It's like you lose count and you lose track. And so you're like, mm-hmm. if I like open that up again yeah, and begin, like I don't know how long that's going to take. Yeah, It could take I could unravel mm-hmm. and just be unraveled. Yeah, and I got to go to work. I got stuff <laughs> to do. Yeah, I have to cook dinner. When I'm able to be in that place of just really truly witnessing with curiosity and compassion, mm-hmm. it's like I can feel in my body like it really is. It really is okay. Mm-hmm. Like I really can tolerate being really sad. Mm-hmm. Or I can tolerate being scared. Mm-hmm. Like, scared is a feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's a big feeling. But I can do it. Yeah. Because I'm here with you, and I can help you hold it. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is just becoming more and more over time. Like, that's my image of God. Mm-hmm. Is, like, that presence that really can tolerate it. Mm-hmm. Because, they're, because it's expansive. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Kismet. It's been great to share this with you guys today. It would help us out a lot um, if you would be able to go to wherever you're getting your podcast from. If you would please rate and review us, that would be wonderful. 
and subscribe as well, especially um, on Apple Podcasts. If you go to kismet-podcast.com, there's a link there that says support Kismet, and that's the link to go to to find ways that you can support our work so that we can continue working on bringing these stories to you. Share us on social media. We do have Instagram and Facebook and would just love to be able to spread this conversation a little bit more widely. For more info, again, go to our website, kismet-podcast.com. And thank you so much for supporting us by doing these things. It really does make a big difference. Thinking back on that experience and thinking back on someone bearing witness to you Mm -hmm. in a moment like that, what does that make you think about like the world or Mm -hmm. love or (laughs) the universe to get really cosmic like what's your sentence the world is more blank oh yeah like the the world is or like the universe is so much more blank than I realized or expected Mm -hmm. the world is more good than we can sometimes see and it, it sounds really just elementary the world is sometimes this like awful place and sometimes I really struggled with, like, do I want to bring a kid into this world? Like, gosh, like, I mean, especially, I mean, I'm a black woman, so I'm like, they're going to be born into a system that is just going to chew them up and spit them out. Like, but then, you, like, both are true, you know, both, I, there, there's so much good and love in the world to receive and to give, and as much as there is just so much evil and things that happen that are just horrific and they don't negate, both can be true. That's something I'm learning. I was, you know, I was taught there's this like theology about an evangelicalism about God being the father. And that felt really like, I don't even know what that means because I didn't have a dad growing up. So like having an experiential knowledge for me, it just was met with blank. And then trying to think of God also as a mom, you know, felt, I was just like, well, that's just pain. So I felt like I didn't know really how to relate to God in that way. And then I think a lot of times I was experiencing and had experienced like with especially white evangelicalism, there was always this, like, divorce between the body and kind of, like, Gnosticism, you know, like, of the body and the spirit. So God is, like, your father in the spiritual realm. He's, like, giving to you always good things. But for me, I was like, so where was God when I, you know, didn't go to the dentist for, like, 20 years and had horrific teeth that were falling out or where was God when I was like kicked out at 18 and I was trying to like fit those things those puzzle pieces in and they were not fitting so I was kind of just taught to like turn off my experience denying like the experience that's right in front of you yeah in order to subscribe to these statements yes that you're being told you have to believe because like that like makes a world where you don't have to care about other people's material suffering Mm -hmm. and their actual material state in the world so you can care a lot more about their salvation than like whether or not they have food yeah and a lot of people who are like writing these books and leading these conferences and 
thinking about this theology, their needs are being met. Right. They have ascended to yeah. be able yes. to think about the spiritual. Mm-hmm. Right. Like yeah. when you talk about the hierarchy and needs, mm-hmm. it's there at the top. So of course God is like good and loving. I mean, not that people don't, I, I believe everyone had suffering, but I was like, I'm trying to rectify, you know, th- those two things. And, and especially in the white evangelicalism, it was not working for me when I was starting to decolonize my faith and just see, especially in the black church, how much suffering was, how the church and suffering was going hand in hand, how the church and justice movement was going hand in hand, how a lot of like the leaders and people who are just leading were involved in the church, but also were advocating for everyone. And that felt like realistically to me, that felt like, oh, I can relate to that. But as I went through this journey of, like, just continuing to deconstruct, I didn't need to fit into that world as much anymore, but was able to open my eyes to maybe receive that God could be a mom to me, God as mother, nurturing, kind, and to see how moments like this is, like, a kindness and that was pretty profound for me. I've dabbled in praying to whenever I pray. I don't pray as much anymore. Thinking of God as a mom and and just having like different models of people in my head of thinking of the mother that I want and how that they would re- react to me or even mothering myself, mothering those parts of me. That's something I'm really healing right now into is being able to see God as not male Mm -hmm. and expand my understanding of God. And that's something I've kind of been praying to is like, help me to like, I want to see you as this divine feminine. Like, what does that look like? Help me to sort of relate to that because I don't really understand it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I noticed was these little kismet moments Mm -hmm. of whoa, like you knew, like something new or somebody knew exactly what I needed and here Mm -hmm. it is on my doorstep. Mm -hmm. Or for me, even just little things like, um, you know, yeah, I was feeling lonely and then like someone decided to call me. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, like I needed that. Mm -hmm. And, And what I see in that is like a God or a mother, like who notices the little things. I had to divorce a lot of that from like the prosperity gospel of mm-hmm. thinking that if I prayed enough, God is going to meet my need in this way. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, I, I went down that slope, but then I was like, okay, was it, was, was it because I didn't pray enough, you know, as a kid or like, mm-hmm. did my parents give me up for adoption because I wasn't, you know, good or did I do something wrong? I always felt like I was wrong, you know, like, those kiss met moments just like built just off of just seeing like being seen and I think that's a lot of what Jesus was doing he was just with people I just think that the power of just being with people if people could do that just man how would our world change well that was going to be the, our next question our, our last question would be how would you want people to 
think about the world differently or move in the world differently because of this story. And that kind of sounds like. Yeah, I think proximity to people's pain. I think a lot of what can get politicized and a lot of the hurt is that people aren't like what we were talking about. They, people can't deal with their own pain. So how can they be present to the pain of others? So you you start to have these thoughts. You start to other people because they're not they're not people anymore. Their stances and sometimes their bumps in the way that you want life to live. And I think that as much as possible for you, if you can show up for yourself so that you can show up to others, like what beauty will you find, you know? I think you have to show up for your own self. And that's really hard. It is really hard. It's a journey. It's not a destination. There's just this quote that I was thinking of. Um, Trauma is not what happens to us, but what we hold inside in the absence of an empathetic witness. That's Peter Levine. But how much, how much our world can heal when we heal because we're able to be that empathetic witness, whether it's for us or for others. Mm-hmm collectively we can endure so much mm-hmm. when we have that space yeah and what like resiliency is just being witness to your pain thank you for sharing thank with you. us yeah thanks for having me yeah <laughs> thank you so much mm. thank you for being with us um we will see you again next time this must be